Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Melinda Pillsbury. She's actually running for president in 2020, is the CEO of Green Deep Green Futures, Inc., and the CEO of Women Leading Network, dealing with a really interesting thing called interactive TV. Um, really excited to have her on the show today. Thanks, Melinda. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So, you know, running for president, that is, you know, that's a bit of a shocker, you know, that's, that's always something you, you, you want to hear, you know, but you don't hear very often. I, but I want to go into your founder story a little bit before we go into that and just kind of, you know, ask how you eventually got here. So where did you originally grow up? I grew up in West Los Angeles. Uh, my father was a director of the Water Resources Center for the University System of California. I was very interested in water resources and related issues at a very early age. Um, he did the first peripheral fire danger committee for California. And he took me into the Brentwood fire in 1972 while it was still burning so I could help record burn patterns. And that was kind of hooked me. Yeah. So you got into, you know, you have a lot of green focused businesses now um so your father being like the director of water resources i'm sure that kind of motivated your whole focus on just you know being environmentally conscious yes exactly he had always been uh for his life and so was his father his father was very much a preservationist and was a good friend of john muir's as a matter of fact grandfather uh, made the first nature movie 1909 and tried to persuade Muir to use film to save the Hetch Hetchy, which of course at that point was already being threatened by uh, real estate developers in San Francisco. Wow, and, that's crazy. Uh, I've seen pieces of the first one, it was amazing. So how did you get into business after, after that, after being raised in that kind of direction? What was your first business success and first business venture? Well, my first business success was running a lemonade stand when I was four and five years old. Love uh, it. Classic entrepreneur well. right there. <laughs> I was an entrepreneur, definitely. And after that, I actually applied the principles because I had read a lot of economics by that point to political activism. And I was very disappointed in political activism because it takes you absolutely nowhere except just spending all of your money on paying people to do something that they don't do a good job at because you don't get any results in yeah. very results oriented. So um, I started looking for people who were interested in doing things in the free market and eventually uh, other life events, sometimes putting that on hold, I managed to do that. So we have an environmental specialist who actually um, has been in that movement since he was 14 years old. 
And, but he started from a very unusual viewpoint because he was a petroleum engineer and he worked for all the majors. And what he saw was the hideous level of abuse and corruption and pollution that were taking place all over the world. So in uh, 1996, he walked away. His last employer was uh, Ken Lay, who wanted him to drive a pipeline across a pristine forest in Malaysia. And he came back and became uh, an environmental consultant. And he and I have been working together since like 1999 on ways that we could really enact a change, which led us to looking at the different ways that this is reinforced by government and corporations and and what they call the elites. So I don't actually think they're very elite from my perspective. No, I don't. I mean, they they would like to, they would like for you to think that they're really elite, you know? (laughs) Um, So, so, right. So you have, you know, you have a lot of, you have different companies that you've worked with in, you know, you have Dan's, which is 2015. That's disaster alert news service. That was something you started, um, but only lasted about five months. And so that was like a kind of like a quick way that you were able to create revenue and then exit. Well, actually, that was a problem. We couldn't create revenue because okay. what we were doing was showing them case in point. If you remember the last San Fran, the last Santa Barbara um, oil spill, we were able to tell them exactly what happened, exactly when it happened. And um, what most people aren't aware of, there was actually a toxic level of poison that was released. And you would have had uh, quite a few mortalities if it wasn't for the fact that it was an area that was unpopulated. And so we put out this information and were horrified to find that nobody wanted to pay us for the information because what we were going to do is provide people with updates. And we always had it long before anybody else did because Dave was fantastic that way. But instead what they would do is they would wait and then they would just take the information and not even credit it. So we decided that we had to do some rethinking on that. And we did. Um, We had to go take a look at some other industrial arenas to come up, formulate a plan that would allow us to do what we needed to do. Essentially we had the information you could think of as ammunition what we needed was a delivery system. And in 2016, um, I connected with another um, fellow who's been a terrific partner uh, for that. And what he did is uh, he understood how to use interactive television. He had actually run the first interactive television programs in 1992. Mm-hmm. And the effect of that had been to remove uh, George H.W. Bush from office, um, replacing him with Bill Clinton. And what he had noticed is that people, even then, very much wanted to be heard and they wanted to know exactly who it was they were electing. He was able to drive Ross Perot, who was one of his clients, up about two points a day which is where the Perot phenomenon came from. And if somebody's interested in reading about it, that's on phonevoter.us. Uh, cool. So, so is this just your main main revenue stream right now is the interactive TV? Because I see other things on here with like Deep Green Futures um, and, you know, uh, you know different things, agents, 
green. There's a lot of different, a lot of different things you've done. I was trying. So, I mean, it takes a lot of money to run for president. You know, it takes a lot of finances, a lot of resources. Right. So, so, you know, I think, you know, our audience wants to understand like how, how you've been able to create enough revenue to be able to actually like do something like this. We didn't do that. What we did was take a look at what the possibilities were. And as I said before, running for president is simply a way of showing people what can be done uh, with interactive TV. So interactive is a delivery system. Mm -hmm. And we didn't anticipate having that much of a, a profile, either for my campaign or any of the other campaigns, and we'll, until we could get it launched. And the COVID interfered with that to some extent, but we've now taken care of those problems. And as happened in 1992, the period of time that it takes to actually impact what people think is about two months. And that's what they accept. And that's how long it takes to move the election. Now, there are a lot of other issues that would go along with that. And what I haven't gotten into is that I have a very strong background politically. Uh, I was very much involved in the first recall in California, and that was not the governor. That was Robert. That was David Roberti, and we did manage to recall him, uh, so that he was not. He was trying at the same time to run for two offices. He was cut down. He was only running for then state senate, and he did succeed in filling that office, but not the other one. It was that example of how we ran that campaign and handle the, uh, you know, the petition issues and the ratification issues that interest started interested them in doing the, the gubernatorial recall um, about a decade later. And it was, you know, you have to find, you have to know the whole game board. What I came to realize was that what we needed to do was to take a look at each of these parts of the account, the larger economy and the infrastructure, and then put the plan together in a way that would take those into account, allowing us to have the strength of the interactive to deliver a, a different kind of economic system. And, but Delivering it isn't political. Delivering it is the free market. Because when people can choose something because it's in their self-interest and you're not asking them to do it because of some vague appeal to freedom or, uh, you know, any kind of other issue, then they listen much more intently, especially if they are focusing on that as the problem. And at this point, a huge number of American homeowners are facing foreclosure. The number of people who are actually now looking for a way that they could sell their home is over 50% of homeowners. And that's a pretty scary number. So yeah. how do you handle that? The way that you handle it is you give them a charging tool, the ability to convert their mortgage to something that is percentage as you earn. Percentage as you earn is based on a percentage of income. And that percentage of income allows them to go through the erratic times that we're facing today. Otherwise, you're going to see the homeless population 
you know, rising precipitously. And people keep thinking, no, there'll be a recovery, there'll be a recovery. But, you know, I read all of the financial newsletters. And one of the things that showed me that they understood what was happening was that the advice being given, which I think could be exemplified by one, I won't mention the name because I'm not going to advertise him. But what he said is, this is what you have to do to survive. If you can sell your house, do so. Go buy a property, pay for it. Pay it off if you possibly can. Have it in a remote area. Uh, make sure that you, ha- you can put in a garden. Buy everything you're going to need to survive for a year and then buy gold. And I looked at that and I said, oh, well, I know what you're looking at. And uh, I don't know how many people he knew. He had already done this, incidentally. So when I heard that, it was like a you know, complete ratification uh, of what we had been seeing, that we are taking a look at what, of course, they're all already calling the Great Depression of 2020. Mm-hmm. And... There Do you think any- that right now with everything that's going on, it's going to lead us into like a, a financial collapse of some sort that's yes. going to eventually require people to, you know, be in a position where they don't have the financial resources to pay for their house or pay for anything. And then from that, they're going to go into this whole, like, you know, not being able to get food and everything, all the food manufacturers are going to collapse and then people won't be able to eat. And then homeless population is going to rise. You know, my, my, there's a couple of futurists that I listen to, and they say there's about a 60% chance of a civil war in America. Do you agree with that? I've heard, I've heard all those. I, I believe that that's what a lot of people are looking at, but we can change that. Because when people can hold on to their assets and therefore continue to live in a house and also at the same time, and this is another thing that we've been very carefully planning for, one, bring production back to the United States, two, make that production in things that are sustainable. And for the past 10 years, we have been identifying technologies and products that should be produced in the United States to lower the impact on the earth. And at the same time, allow people to make a good living doing it. And when you have that, when you have a soft landing for the economy and you have people direct able to find things that they can do to make a change in their lives so that they are producing an income that's then going to grow uh, that solves the problem because they're doing it, you're not asking them to donate for something. That's why we're not on a donation model. We're not on a donation model for politics and we're not on a donation model for free enterprise. Those things are contradictory to giving people what they need to be able to make that transition. Okay. And we can do the same thing for healthcare. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, so how would you recommend? I mean, people are, they're going to be going through this transition. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's been a difficult transition so far. Um, how would you recommend people to, you know, retain their finances or create different revenue streams um, while going through like this, like different, very challenging time? 
Well, one of the things that's happening is that a lot of people are now looking at selling their homes. They're not just selling their homes, they're also looking at buying something that's less expensive. And that takes us into another area. The cost of housing, buying a house in the U.S. is much too high. And it gives you, you end up with a product because a house is a product that is one, not fireproof, not floodproof. It has very limited longevity. Most of them will only last for maybe 40 years without major overhaul. And they are full of technologies that aren't sustainable. So what we have done is um, identify all of the technologies that it was needed. And these are proven technologies. These are not um, problematical. We could go out today and build a house in one day that would be fireproof, floodproof, have longevity of about a thousand years and would cost less than anything else on the market. So, so going back into my question of like, how we could, how people can create revenue streams in 2020 going through like this pandemic and everything else. You, so you're saying they're going to be able to do it from home because they'll be able to go on, uh, be on a television show that's entrepreneurially oriented. They'll be able to talk to see what other people are doing, and those other people are going to be looking at models where they allow people to join in with what they're doing is think of it as a franchise or contribute ideas and make it a better and better and better product or service and start offering it. Because that's what entrepreneurship is about. It's about coming together cooperatively to produce something. There have been many people, of course, through history that have used it in other ways, but that's not what we're interested in. We're not interested in just producing money. We're interested in producing a sustainable future for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super cool. Um, you know, it's obviously a great option. If like, if people, you know, are having a difficult time making money, being able to buy a piece of land and property and then just, you know, have a fireproof house, you know, is a definitely a way of saving money for sure. <laughs> well, actually what they'll be doing is going on and buying it and probably designing it online, deciding what and how they want it laid out. And it would be in a community because, you know, you live in California and I live in California. And one of the things that Dave and I started following about 15 years ago was the rise in wildfires. And we anticipate very large wildfires in California on the Western coast and other parts of the U S in parallel with what they have been seen in Australia. And I don't know if you followed that, but it's been horrific. Yeah. There it's have been really been bad. Lots of people completely dislocated and we can handle that. But to do that, what you have to do is you have to be able to show people how they get it. How do we sell it? What we do is we sell it online People learn about all of these things. And it only takes about three things. When you can show somebody that something is real and it's true and it works, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to do it. They're going to buy it, especially if it means their economic survival and keeping a roof over their family's head. And everything we're doing is very much oriented toward that. Yeah, we're not going to appeal to them on the basis of 
some of the things that you hear from the mainstream media or the candidates at all. Yeah. Yes, I'm running for president, but I'm not running to get somebody to vote for me because um, of something I'm saying that's just high emotional content words. Mm. I want them to vote for me if they do, simply because they can see that this is a real solution that can solve their problems. Which is yeah, unfortunately, what, majority of people, you know, make their decisions based upon emotion and not logic. Yes, but one of the things when you can arrest their interest um, because their emotion is that they don't want to lose their home, that that brings those two interests together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's super cool. So, so last thing going into the pandemic, you know, what are your thoughts on the pandemic, and you know, how would you know, you running for the campaign and possibly winning, uh, how would that change the pandemic and, and, and the course of the future with our company and the, or the entire economy? Well, for one thing, I would let people find out exactly what is going on. I'm sure you're aware that people who try to talk about um, different approaches and also technologies and examples that doctors have presented um, that give you different strategies for how you're going to handle your own life are being uh, eliminated from Facebook. Yeah, and, yeah. Facebook has a lot of bias, you know. Right. And this right is now. one of the one of the problems with the mainstream media is it keeps us from getting accurate information and you can't make an informed decision if you don't have accurate information. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing with interactive television, we will have no censorship and no shadow banning because we want people to find out about other people if that's an ugly thing they're finding out well that's okay that's better to know but we want them to get the facts and the truth yeah definitely so you know get a lot more clarity as far as the pandemic goes and then as far as like you know how you know the financial situation there's a lot of people that are talking about you know how the federal reserve has been owning your money we've been printing money like crazy we have five trillion dollars that we're printing up just this year you know, our deficit is incredible. You know, what would be a good solution, you think, to that? Get out of the Federal Reserve. One of the points of converting your loan is that you have a contract. The contract is for a percentage as you earn repayment. And that is in itself a form of currency. And so you're out of the Federal Reserve because that has its own value, which will be established by the marketplace. And the, the failure rate or the default rate on percentage as you earn loans. So just to clarify, what you're saying is instead of our, you know, right now we don't have, it used to be our financial system was backed on gold, but, you know, that obviously, you know, isn't true. So what you're saying now is instead of your friend of the financial system being backed on gold, it's backed by your house. Yes, it would be not your house per se about the payments you're making for your house. Okay. The failure rate, the default rate for percentage as you earn loans, and these incidentally are are both financed and insured for both parties, are less than one half of one percent. So oh. it's a safe investment. It's one you can trust, and you can't even compare it to the things that people are investing in today. There's several trillion dollars sitting out trying to decide what they're going where they're going to park their money so it'll be safe and this is an investment that can be safe we already have a programmer who is 
going to be writing the you know the programming necessary so that you can go on and one change your you know re you know change your loan but also at the same time so you'll be able to automatically make your payments so how do we how does how do our guests learn more about percentage as you earn you can go to payhome.org p-a-y-e home.org okay this is a company that you're currently running well actually one of my partners is running it okay yeah it's super interesting Uh, i think a lot of people would be interested in learning that uh milton friedman actually said that if the only thing you could depend on in finance was that you were there was uncertainty then you needed to base your financing on uncertainty. And that's exactly what we're doing. Milton Friedman knew about and loved the idea of percentage as you earn. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. I'm going to have to check it out myself. Um, okay, well, I think we're running around the, around the end of the time for our show today. So, um, Melinda, I really appreciate you being on the show and I'm excited for the things that you're going to be doing um, You know, as you, you continue to 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 run your different companies, interactive TV. Um, you know, I really hope that you get to the position where, you know, you're able to run, uh, achieve presidency and, uh, and make the, and make the changes. So, you know, it sounds like you really have a really great mind on your shoulders and you have a lot of good things um, that you talk about. So, um, thank you so much for being on the show and we'll definitely, you know, keep in the loop as, uh, as things progress until the election year. Well, thank you so much for having me on and you be well and be free. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.